Hello and welcome to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur podcast. This is episode 109, where we are kicking off now a range of interviews with business owners and professionals in a, in a range of different sectors up and down the UK, where we, myself and Lauren, have interviewed them over lockdown now. And we are then launching this series so that you can listen to the absolute nuggets of information that we have it's all very, very relevant. There's a lot of personal development in there. There's a lot of business realization. We talk about what it actually takes from you as a person, from you as a business. And to kick all of this off, myself and Lauren interviewed the wonderful Chris Taylor from Instagrammatics, where he talks about his business. He talks about building a business online. How do you create a brand online? What are the myths around that? And where do people tend to go wrong when they are using social media and their online platforms? So fashion your seatbelts, turn up the volume and away we go. This is going to be a five-part series and you are going to take immense value from it, I am sure. Thank you for joining us this evening for our first guest lockdown live with mr chris taylor you've got myself helen williams online and my business partner lauren brady do you want to kick us off lauren chris we want to obviously i know a lot of people we will assume know you know your brand and know your business we first met was it now two and a half maybe years ago Mm, it was years ago yeah, and we were, uh, I was in a completely different role and position and employment. You were doing loads of things at the time. So just for anyone who doesn't know who you are in terms of what your business does, what solutions you offer, give us a bit of an insight into who Chris Taylor is. Cool, yeah. So long story short, I started in business three years ago, started off with a property business and then have transitioned now into content marketing, social media marketing and creating cultural change in corporate companies. So I tend to be most well known for Instagram, really, like helping people monetize their Instagram profiles and also really getting clear on their message and their content strategy to enable them to generate sales. So really clear and concise. It's been a short but a whirlwind of a journey so far. But yeah, it's all about providing value and helping as many people as we possibly can build brands online. So you say it's been a short journey, three years. I bet it's blinking. It's gone so quick, though. 100%. Yeah, it's literally been ridiculous, like in terms of like how quick time really does go, especially like even this week, for instance, like it's Friday and I don't even feel like I've started again yet. Like it literally feels mental. So every week it's something different. I'm a professional firefighter technically by trade. I'm always dealing with different problems (laughs) and that's literally how I get my kick out of life. Good fun. It's a good journey, but it just, it's scary how quick it goes. It only feels like literally yesterday that I started our and registered our first property business on Company House. And now, yeah, we've we've started seven companies, done incredibly well with revenue. And it's now just how we can go bigger and better, really. So I know you're a pretty humble fella and you won't. I mean, it's not about being flash Harry's here with revenue, but you've created really big businesses, Chris. You've not started one, two, three, four, five, six, seven businesses because number one to three didn't come to fruition. Your background, though, which I don't think many people know, was in finance and you're a fully qualified accountant now. You don't talk about this much because when you told me you were an accountant, I almost fell off the chair. What brought you into working for yourself? Why didn't you stay in that field, the traditional, lots of safety, lots of security, technically? What brought you from being on that lane to going into being an entrepreneur? You're a young chap. <laughs> what what happened? What changed? 
Yeah, so I, I didn't quite make it to fully professional, but I've got my A80 level four. So I had a foundational degree and I was looking at going into do my exams to go through my ACCA route and go down the um, the chartered accountancy route. And I'm not going to hide it. I just got bored. Like it was just the most boring topic in the world for me personally. I know loads of people like it, but for me, it was just something that was just a little bit too tedious and too repetitive. So I, I left college. I, I knew accounting was what I wanted to do, but I couldn't get a job. I was doing volunteered work for the NHS, just in their accountancy office. How people survive in that environment, I don't know. It was yeah. the darkest of place on the planet. And yeah, for me, it was just about finding something which kind of fitted, not really my personality, but my drive and ambition to do something big. So I always knew I wanted to do something which was larger than just a traditional nine to five job. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It was just something that... It wasn't for you. You wanted something bigger. Exactly that. Were you around entrepreneurs, Chris? Any family members, friends? Did you see other people building businesses around you in your community or in your circle? My uncle was the the main business so my uncle and then my auntie so i got into property because of my auntie she started up her own property business i found a random video on youtube i was just looking through some success stories and she was one of them had had no idea she was in property saw her i rang her i was like joe how do i get started she then sent me to my first property training event ended up spending a lot of money training and then got into it that way but then i guess my entrepreneurial type stuff came from my uncle who started a company called Thayer's Ice Cream back 15, 20 years ago. No, 25 years ago, 30 years ago now. Like it's quite a long time ago. And he, he sold that company. And that was, I guess, my first look into someone who had been a successful business owner. Um, but my parents, like my dad was a professional cricketer. That was my dream when I was a kid was to become a cricketer. Like I played a nice level of cricket. Like I was trying to turn into a professional, but I got an injury, which kind of then pushed me out. So I had to find a job. Um, and then I started work, worked my way up until like one of the sales roles that was there and then got bored of that as well. I have a very short attention span. I Once I hit a ceiling, I'm always looking for more. So that's where I'm kind of am right now is looking for those ceilings to kind of reach to then push further. Makes total sense. But you got the competitive streak. You've seen people just always work really hard and strive. Funny, I didn't realise that you'd stepped aside from education to go working for yourself. I was the same. I was 1920 and I remember delivering that news to my parents. That went well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good um, conversation. Yeah, I mean, I was quite fortunate. My mum was always, Chris, you need to make money. Chris, you need to be rich. You've got a head to be someone that needs to be that that successful millionaire. My mum's a spenderholic. She's probably watching this now on my Instagram. <laughs> she knows she is. Um, but the way that it is, she needs her budget. So my job was always to, she looked after us as a kid, me and my little brother, Spoiled rotten and she worked her ass off for it so my driving factor as well as selfishly wanting to do well has always been to put give that back and to make sure that she was always looked after because right. again i think as a as a business owner not to sound arrogant or anything like that but you know when you're built for something big you know when you've got that fire and that energy to go and do something you're just frustrated because you can't figure out what that idea and what that business is nine times out of ten and that's yeah. why people don't move on into it whereas I just kept forcing myself into new environments to try and get that new idea, get that new level, get that new opportunity, give it a go. If it worked, great. If it doesn't, move on to the next one. That was how I kind of got into it. I knew I was built for something, just didn't know what it was until I accidentally stumbled across it. God, we could unpack so many things on that. Helena, you the same as me. What I want to know though, Chris, is what the relationship is between coming out of an accountancy role into property, which you've explained, but then the relationship and the jump from property into building businesses and brands online. 
Where, yeah, so, that, you, where do you just learn yeah. how to be the genius that you are when it comes to everything online? That so, just does not happen. Yeah, no, and there is a story obviously behind it. So I went from my accountancy qualifications to a customer service role for a corporate car leasing company. Then I moved into a sales role to learn and hone those skills. I got, again, like I say, got bored, started in property and I made the decision. I was watching a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm sure you guys um, are familiar with him. Came up with a content piece that said, document your journey and opportunity will come your way. So I was like, okay, I'll take that literally. The more people that know who I am, the more opportunity will come my way. So I made that conscious effort on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I wish I'd done YouTube earlier. I really do. But those three key platforms, I just made the conscious effort to post content, showing people what I was doing, why I was doing it, and what I was learning along the way. And that built up a bit of a following. And I then needed to raise money for our first property investment. And it came like with a click of a finger within 24 hours of us putting any sort of interest out there that people wanted to invest with me. So that was the point at which I knew there was something. And it was then I decided to, basically, I was getting so many questions asked to me on Instagram. Like, how do I start my property business? How do I do this? How do I do that? I was answering the same questions over and over and over again. So I put together a book. It was a bar, it was like a service accommodation guide. And I was at Grant Cardone's event, 10X in Miami, with my business partner at the time. I just put it out there on my Instagram profile. I've got this guide. Who wants to start a service accommodation business? And I had over 100 people come back with yes. We launched it with a £97 price tag. Then it was £247. Then it was £297. Basically, it was like the courses that we'd spent tens of thousands of pounds on, packaged up in smaller products from our own experiences. And the short fire story of it is we made 65 grand in seven weeks from DMing on Instagram. And I was like, okay. There's something here. <laughs> there's something here with this. Yeah. Because I am nothing special. Like all I did was learn something, put it into action, package the information up and sell it. Mm. Now, for me, that is all I'm doing is finding a problem, finding the solution and building an offer to sell it. It's the same with every other business that's out there. And building a brand comes from consistently putting the knife in, in the gut and twisting until you've built up enough pain where someone needs you to put the solution in place. As long as you have the right value giving offer, the brand building exercise is easy. It's just about understanding what pains you need to tap into to generate the interest. Okay. So we obviously understand all of that, particularly with the obstacles that individuals and business owners have around their confidence, their belief and moving them forward into ensuring that their vision becomes a reality, right? And keep mm. knocking on that door of opportunity to keep breaking down the barriers to get them into a marketplace. What is the key thing that holds people back though, Chris, for you when you're working with brands and businesses for actually utilizing the online platforms that are available? Because we know the power of them. We love them. We spend a lot of time on them, as do you. Mm. But, but what is it then that holds people back from actually getting themselves out there online yeah so a couple of key things for me specifically that from my experience of it one is knowing why they're even needing to use it that is the biggest barrier it's like i know i've heard so many gurus out there that tell me that i need to be online but but why me like what is it actually going to do for my business and actually how do i put that opportunity together mm. it's all right saying it like you need to be out there you need to be doing it but again with anything in life if the context and that passion isn't there to go and deliver it, it's so easy to just give up and not actually give it a go, the, the attention that it deserves. So knowing the fundamental reason why you're actually using it and the opportunity that it they can provide you is number one, the reason why a lot of people don't. Number two is then 
I know I should be, but what do I say? Like, mm. no one's interested in me. I'm just plain old me. Who's Who actually cares about what I'm doing? And again, it's that barrier that once you overcome that, is the point at which everything starts to click. Because as soon as you realize that it actually isn't about you, it's about your audience and what they're struggling with, that's the point that everything starts to become easier. Because again, as a business owner, which is who we're hopefully talking to here, like when it comes to creating content, when it comes to getting your brand and building your brand out there, you think of like the key significant brands, Apple, Amazon, any other ones, Nike, Gymshark, all of them, they all are very, very clear on what problems and pains they solve and how they then get that message into content that people share online. That's all they've done. It's so, for me, it gets so complicated, like overcomplicated in a world but it's where actually not. it's so simple. It's just like, it's the biggest word of mouth referral scheme out there. And the biggest obstacles are people don't know why they're using it and don't really know what they should be using it for and posting out there. So therefore they don't do it. So get clear on those things. And I'm, I would happily give loads of advice around that sort of stuff. I do it all day, every day on my Instagram stuff, but I'm assuming that's a question that's coming. Yeah. You see me and them both chirping at the bit with the well, same question. On this bit though, Chris, right. You know what I've just said to you at the beginning of this, if this is not content, I don't know what is in terms of our, our technology experiments this afternoon. Can you put into your framework over how we would, for our business, I know, because I'm going to use it, for the benefit of our listeners, how we would use that experiment that we've done today? How could we use that as content? Yeah, so the thing is with it is identifying what you've learned from this. That's the Mm -hmm. biggest thing, right? Starting off with, okay, it's been a bit of a nightmare, but we've done it. First of all, we've done it, great. And then what have we learned from it? So get clear on what that is. And again, this can be applied to any business whatsoever. And then you follow a four-step process with anything that's content related. Step one, you identify the pain and the problem you actually came across and you overcame. Step two is the context of why it's actually important that someone needs to listen to this and why they need to spend their hard-earned time, their precious time listening to these mugs actually say it. And three is the content itself. What did you learn? What did you actually come across? What solution did you put in place? And four is the call to action. So it's not the typical comment below, tagging your mate, share this to your story, like and save. It is. If you're experiencing this problem and you'd like to overcome it, then drop me a message and let's jump on a call. To give you the example is today, me and Lauren had an amazing time trying to overcome some technological issues, which would enable us to multi-stream online. Now, multi-streaming online gives you incredible amounts of attention incredible amounts of opportunity to generate awareness, which is inevitably going to build your brand further. Now, the problem we came across is the fact that we didn't really test what it was that we were meant to be doing beforehand. We tried and we tried and we tried, but when it came down to it, there was obstacles that were in place that we just couldn't do. Like We couldn't do it. It was literally borderline impossible. However, the most important thing for you to realize here is that We didn't give up. We made an actual opportunity and managed to get the content out there. We overcame it. And actually, I was been thinking about this. Isn't this the same with like everything that happens in life? Again, you're putting obstacles in front of yourself. You're going to overcome challenges every single day. If you sit there and give up, you're never going to get anywhere. Now, this actually isn't about social media. This isn't about technology. This is about the mindset of overcoming problems. And as a business owner, you are a professional firefighter. So if this is something that you're coming across each day, this is something that you're struggling with, then drop me a message because actually we design the strategies about how we overcome these small problems that can put obstacles in front of your business and show you the ways in which you can overcome them. We don't bite. Like don't sit there in silence. Let's get in contact. Let's have a conversation and see what we can do. See you soon.
Your job offers in the post, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's funny, Chris. The reason me and I can like me and Helen obviously spend a lot of time on Zoom. Our business partnership was a literally four or five weeks old when the first lockdown hit so we've built so much of our professional relationship and our products and our services on zoom so i can see now and i think helen does it for me she knows she can literally know when i'm nodding and i'm about to ask the same question she is with a client one of the things that struck me that you said when you started as an entrepreneur you had a fire in your belly you knew you just wanted to build something the first step you took was you invested in yourself Hmm. We spent a lot of money on just theory, on being around the right people, you travel, you put yourself around environments that were going to give you a big step up, but then you didn't just take the theory and sit on it. And I suppose that's the same in social media land or when we're dealing with any client is that it's very easy to read more books, to do more courses, to hire another coach, all of which has loads of value. But if you just sit there thinking about it, we could have sat thinking how the are we doing this live stream? We sat there at one point today, we had earphones in, we had mobiles, we had laptops, we were testing shit. And me and Helen looked at each other and went, are we are we missing a, a trick here in our, in our brains? And we were like, yes. And I suppose that's where most entrepreneurs all feel the same. At some point, we all just look around a room or a Zoom call at each other and go, it's nuts in it, but it's great. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's the thing, right? With, with the whole entrepreneurship world, it's not about how much you know, it's about how much you do. Like yeah. every single time, right? People can sit there and procrastinate and and do course of the course of the course. There's people still there now that I see, and this is nothing against them at all. I'm not saying anything negative towards them, but they will digest information. And there's people three years ago that do the same property training that I did that have now just done a new crypto course that they're now looking for this next best thing. And actually the power comes from, yes, getting a bit of knowledge, but it's it's not actually knowledge and something that you know until you actually put it into practical implementation. So for me, I'm a learner, yes, but I'm a practitioner. That's the thing that I do. I don't talk about anything that I haven't actually done. The reason why I guess I like to think my brand has continued to scale. And again, it's no way near compared to some of the brands that are out there. I'm still so new to all of this. I'm learning every day. But what I'm doing is only talking about the stuff that I'm testing, that I'm identifying, and then I'm just providing my opinions on it. Because the people out there that provide the most opinion and the strongest of opinions are the ones that get known and get spoke about the most. It's very yeah. rare people, it's very rarely that you look at someone like again, look at Piers Morgan, for instance, right? Like probably one of the people that has got one of the most strongest opinions out there. And the reason why he has got to the place where he is, a weird example I know, but yeah. he is just putting out there and giving opinions. Katie Hopkins is another one. They may not agree with them, but the reason why they're known above everyone else and why they get the opportunity is because they've got opinions and they're not afraid to speak their mind. That comes from confidence, which I know is stuff that you love to talk about having the confidence to provide your opinion, have validation behind it and coming from your own unique experiences, that for me is unique content, which no one else can copy, which stands you above all the rest where everyone else is just copying the next motivational quote. That's got mm. to stand out from the rest. Yeah, you'll see me and Helen both eye roll at certain things. I mean, we're both terrible for poker faces. Like, if you ever want to know what we're thinking, look right at our faces. <laughs> but it leads us nicely on to a couple of quick questions, Chris. What annoys you on social media? So, again, it's not to attack anyone or to criticise, but when you see people on social media and you think, oh, you're putting so much time and effort into that and you're not getting the result, what annoys the shit out of you? Pointless content. I saw it today. There's an affiliate marketer that's put a photo off of the lake that she was walking around today. I'm like, what have you done that for? Like, what benefit is that actually doing for you in your business journey right now? 
I've seen a social media marketing agency that's put Happy Friday as their content. I'm like, what a waste of time. People, quite frankly, the thing that annoys me the most is the people that think that social media doesn't work and waste their time creating pointless shit. If as soon as you can identify what you need to be talking about, the strategy that you need to put in place, and you actually think about it for a second, you'll start to see results. The people that are posting for posting's sake, it's not that it really annoys me. It's like this, it just disappoints me. They have got something. You watch them and you watch them in their journey and you know you can help them, but they don't want to help themselves. It's having that realization that you have got something powerful to be able to give and not trying just to post for posting's sake, but having real meaning behind the stuff that you do, having real purpose behind the stuff that you do. Mm, Good point. And what do you love? What fires you up when you see it? You're someone who's a creator more than a consumer, but you're on the platforms day in, day out. What fires you up when you see it? What fires me up? So I'm not a massive consumer. So the thing that fires me up right now is seeing other people that I'm helping, putting to practice what we preach and then seeing the result at the end of it. That for me, like all of my education stuff, yes, it earns money, but my agency is the money maker. The other businesses have made my money. I don't need to worry about that too much. I do my educational stuff to see people actually proactively do something and see a difference from it, right? So for me, it's actually, like I only follow, you'll see, I used to follow thousands of people. I follow, I think, 600 people now. I've helped around about two and a half thousand people go through, whether it's a free training or it's a paid training, whatever. Um, and I can't follow them all because it just blocks up the news feed. But I keep a close eye on the people that I work closely with and just checking in to see them posting with purpose and actually scaling and actually doing something of real meaning. That's the stuff that fires me up to keep providing more. Because as soon as that dies out, I feel like I've kind of failed. So for me, it's that seeing the progress of others and making sure that I'm consistently practicing what I preach. Mm-hmm. The moment I stop practicing and actually go into this theory only mode is the day that I give up. Like it's all about practicing every day and actually making sure that I'm only talking about the stuff which I am doing myself. Mm, good champ. I've got a quick question for you, Chris. Hmm. What's the best way for people to build rapport online and actually then get to know them? Maybe hmm. they're a new business that they're just entering into using social media. What's the best way for them to build rapport? You've said about pointless posting, hmm. but then what's the link there? You're smiling. I'm intrigued at this answer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's because the fact that we've had a clubhouse come out recently, right? So new social media app. And again, I've, I've made the mistake there. A social media app when it's not a social media app. It's a social networking app. Yeah. Now, the biggest thing that I think with business owners, with the online strategies that are out there now is that we've become lazy. We expect people to come to us, knock on our doors and go, here's my money. I want your service when that's just not the case. I've always had the thing, like I do it in all my presentations, the more people that know what problem I solve, the more opportunity will come my way. But really making sure that I actually have in place an actual strategy that's going to bring people there is really important. Again, the way that I really focus in on actually delivering this is just making sure that I'm talking to people. <laughs> like This is the thing, like we we literally will have a new LinkedIn connection today, a new Instagram follower today, a new Facebook friend. And I guarantee it, nine times out of 10, those people aren't receiving any form of communication from us. We just expect them to engage in our content. It's never going to happen. One, because the algorithms don't let that happen, because they're only going to show your content to the people that proactively engage with you and talk to you. You'll notice it. Like me, us three, all communicate a lot online. I must drive you crazy that my face consistently pops up in your timeline telling you what to do when you already know what you need to do, really. You go out there and you do it every day anyway. But that's because we communicate. That's because we talk to each other. So when it comes to building rapport, people think it's done in content when it's not. It's done in messaging. Hmm. So if you get a new connection, 
send a message to introduce yourself. Mm. Send a message, say hello, drop a voice note with no real ambition to make a sale, but just to broaden your network a bit. I had a conversation with a lady today who is from off dancing on ice. She's an Emmerdale actress and she's got an amazing brand with what she's doing. And that came from me having a mutual connection with her and us then just having a conversation. I didn't sell her anything. I just provided her with some value, made her aware of the opportunity that there potentially is, set her a task to go away and do. We'll then have another call to design a strategy. And then we may do business together. But then if it doesn't, she's got a strategy that she's going to remember me forever for that because I've given her the thing that unlocks it. So rapport building comes from actually getting off our asses or actually saying on our asses and actually just typing away on our phone and starting to build some relationships up. Love that. I even said this to a client yesterday about that. And I said, look at your social media account as your shop. So if you had a shop and somebody walked into your shop to have a look around what you're selling and what you're about, you wouldn't ignore them. You'd Mm. say, hi, can I help you? What are you looking for? Exactly the same when somebody then clicks follow or connect or friend or anything. If you don't acknowledge them, even if they don't want to talk back, You've still done your job as the shopkeeper to say, hey, thanks for the friend request. Great to connect or anything like that. So, yes, that's brilliant you've said that. It's definitely something I learned from watching Helen because, I mean, I've been dead open on all of our platforms. I've never been anti-social media. I feel like I gained this tag, but I was probably, I was always behind someone else's brand. So it's different. And I did care and I loved it. But it was, again, I didn't have the level of education that I've got in the last 12 months working with Helen and working alongside you, Chris. But it's this idea that social media is consumed rather than interacted with. And Mm. I think we see it all the time, Helen, don't we? When we, you know, we'll say to a client, they're looking for more time. They're always looking for more time, more profit, more satisfaction. And then I go, let me, what's your screen time like? And they go, it's for business. I go, no, no, no. Consuming other people's content is not for business. Mm-hmm. That's our that's our own procrastination or our own just getting through shit. If you're looking at it and going, I'm actually replying to DMs, I'm connecting with people, I'm having conversations. An interesting thing you said, Chris, there is when you do it, you're not necessarily looking to make a sale. Mm-hmm. You're not always expecting a certain outcome. Do you think that's something that people get wrong? That they do it and they're just going, well, I didn't get a sale out of five DMs, so it doesn't work. Yeah, people treat social media like a direct sales opportunity. So how quickly can I make some revenue from this new connection, follower and friend? And for me, the difference in the thought pattern and the mindset with it is that I treat social media like the biggest word of mouth referral opportunity system there is out there. So I may not be able to help the person that I'm messaging, but they're going to know somebody that's going to need my help at some point. And if they don't, they may know somebody of somebody. And I know, and again, this is something that I was given when I was really young, not just in business, but in work, was that the more people see what you do and how high quality that it is and how you help people, the further you will go in life. I was one of the youngest sales managers at that corporate car leasing company. I'd reached the top of where I could get to purely because I went above and beyond for my customers. I stood out above the rest. And one, three, I actually knew how to communicate. Like I wasn't bullshitting people. I was like, look, we can deliver it in this. But it was a fleet of cars at that point, right? It was like, look, Chris, we need 12 of these by beginning of March with the new reg. And a lot of people would be like, I'll go away and I'll try my best. I was like, it's not possible. But it really isn't. I know from experience that that's never going to happen. 12 weeks, 16 weeks, sometimes 24 week lead time to be able to get that, that amount of vehicles of that spec onto your desk or into your car park. It's not possible. However, what we can do is look for an alternative and go down that route. 
So it was never about getting the sale and just like trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. It's being upfront, straight. Something that I love about you two is the fact that there's no bullshit. It's straight to the point every single time. And it's actually really making sure that you're not just looking to make the sale, but you're looking at building the business brand that's there. So you are the most recommended company within the business industry niche, whatever it is that you do. So again, it's about making sure that one, you're really clear on what you specialize in. Two, that then you made that well known to everybody else. And three, putting enough social proof out there that people then realize that you're the person to go to. It gets overcomplicated and it's not. It's really simple. I know I've heard, we've had these conversations so many times when it's just like, even as you're saying it now to me, I'm like, so simple, so mm -hmm. simple. But all the noise, right? So our, one of our questions today, we've touched on it a little bit, Clubhouse. So it's everywhere. I'm seeing people all over. I've just spent 13 hours on Clubhouse over the last two days. <laughs> obviously, new platforms do come. There's ways to get the most out of them. My question really, Chris, is about noise and making sure that you can focus in on what you need as an individual, what you need as a business owner, what your brand needs. How do you safety net yourself, your business, your team, so noise doesn't get you pinging off in a hundred different directions every minute of every day? Simple answer really is extreme focus and discipline because there is 150 different problems that we've got to solve each day. There is also 150 different distractions that are going off mm. at the same time. So with an app like Clubhouse, for instance, where people are spending hours and hours, if they've got a leveraged delivery sales and marketing system in place, it's probably one of the best opportunities right now to build your network, not to make sales, but build your network. Mm. what happens on clubhouse is if you're going on there strategically you're not going on there to listen you're going on there and i mean i'm going to be totally upfront with this the way that i do it like i don't go in there and i agree with everybody it seems to be everybody on stage agrees with each other i go in there deliberately to to stir a pot and give my own two cents on things and it's doing it in a way with the stuff that we heavily believe in so like a common content agreement that people think about right now is to be successful on social you need to be posting 100 times a day. You need to be on every single social media platform. I need to be creating unique content for every single one of these platforms. I'm like, if that's not the shortcut way to a heart attack right now, I don't know what is. The amount of overwhelm <laughs> on this social media right now is totally ridiculous. How yeah. else do you then spend time on all the different important elements of your business mm. to be able to scale it? So for us, it's about drawing that back. Yes, going into an app like Clubhouse, leveraging the network, but going in there and actually raising our hand, giving our opinions, standing out because our opinion's different. And if it is the same as other people, we're not deliberately shit stirring. We're like, okay, I agree with you. However, let me give you my take on it. And again, we can then see and making sure you have call to actions at the end of everything that you do. So if there's any live time that you're taking, making sure that you're saying physically on there, if anyone's got any questions or any concerns over what I've said, drop me a message on Instagram chrisTaylor.ig. Drop me a message. I'll help you. I'm not going to charge you. I'm going to give you a strategy, which potentially I can help you with. But if not, then you've got the strategy and you can go do it yourself. Mm. But for me, that is such a simple strategy to do. But people forget the call to action. They let their followers sit on an app like Clubhouse, where there's no form of private interaction. And therefore, they're spending all this time, but not generating results. Have the call to actions. Make sure you have the unique conversations on the platform. And then you'll start to see business coming your way. Again, yeah. keep it really simple. So I've not been on Clubhouse, I'll be honest, because I've seen it 
Well, I've seen other people's opinions <laughs> on it and the, the hours that they are spending on it. It was a similar sort of take that I had on TikTok as well, where I'm mm. just like, it's not really serving us, really. Well, I can see the uh, benefits from it and I can see being kind of ahead of the curve over different things, but it wasn't benefiting us where we were for our business and our, our core messages at the time. But you just said there, Chris, about people going on there and just agreeing with one another and things like that. Is is it another form of like a, a bit of a popularity contest? Because I do find that on social media that it's kind of like you've got to have this big following and be the most popular to be the most successful. So there's mm-hmm. such a lot, and you call it vanity likes, there's such a lot of emphasis over the number of followers you've got, the number of likes you get, the number of people that are watching any one video online at, at any one time. How important is all of that? There is an an element of importance to it, right? For every like, every comment, every save and every share that you get, you're going going to enhance your reach further and therefore attract more people towards you. So to cut that straight off, there is an importance to it. However, it's not everything because likes, comments, save and shares do not generate you the thing that we're all using it for, which is revenue. And then most importantly, profit, right? That's all we're really looking at here. Yeah. So for me right now, there's a lot of emphasis on, look how many followers that I've been able to build out on Clubhouse. Is it a popularity contest? Depends on the context that you add to it. So there are certain groups right now, and again, fair play to them. They're working together, they're sharing the same traffic, and they are building their followings at speed. Mm. 40,000 followers in two weeks, something like that. Like wow. amazing results, serious, serious growth. But again, I always say this, is that there's no current direct correlation to the vanity metric affecting the bottom line. And this is the research that we're doing at the moment, because as soon as there is, I'm all in. My message will completely change. I'm not naive enough to think that everything that I'm saying right now is going to be right, or even if it is right right now, but it's not going to be right in a year's time. It's completely different because everything changes. And it's about being dynamic and moving with it. But ultimately, the more people, as long as you are having that private interaction in ways in which you can find out how to broaden your network, not with just a number, but with quality relationships that know who you are, and most importantly, what problem your business solves, that is actually credible vanity that we need to be going after. If there was a way of tracking that, and I track it with the number of messages response, or message responses that I get each week, I know if that's increasing, my brand's increasing. If that goes down, it means I'm not quite getting the message right enough to make people want to respond to me. So again, it's important metrics, not the typical stuff that other people look at, but I'm looking at the number of unique, effective conversations, UECs, that I'm starting every single week. And again, my target is to make sure I'm starting between 50 and 100, quite a big variety there, depending on time that I've got. But I know that if I compound that over one year, three year, five year, 10 years, I'm going to be very, very well known in what I do if I stick in my own lane. That's the real leaping point. So yes, popularity mm-hmm. contest, if you want to put it in that context. But again, this is all a big game, right? Business is a big game. As much as we hate to say it, the people that play the game the best win, defining win in however way that you want to. Mm-hmm. The people that don't play it, they may play a different game altogether. They may not be on social media at all. My business partner hardly touches it. Mm-hmm. It's more successful than I'll probably ever be. Incredible person, mm-hmm. but a completely different way of doing business. And again, that's the most amazing thing that I love about business is there isn't just one way. The way that I teach is one way out of a hundred different ways. Mm. And we're all unique. And it's just about staying in your own lane and making sure that you're not focusing your time building other people's businesses. But as operators and business owners, you're spending time doing the strategic stuff that's going to grow yours or helping as many people along the way as you can. That's it. Mm. 
So we recently did a, a campaign, Chris, about supporting small businesses online mm. and how best we can do this and how, as fellow business owners for each other as well, how we can best support each other, how we can best take that responsibility for helping other people along because you said about it is important to get the followers and the likes and, and everything in the grand scheme of things. So what's your take on that for people supporting each other? I'm a massive fan of collaborations. So this right now, what we're doing is a collaboration, right? I like to think that the advice you're giving, the advice I'm giving may help even just one person. Yeah. If it does that, then we're doing our job. That's the biggest yeah. thing, right? And again, the thing is with it is that there's so many people giving advice out there right now that it's hard to know who to listen to and who not. There's a very unique way that I deliver the same way that you guys do. Yeah. But supporting small businesses all comes from working together. I think I never really see anybody as competition, even people that start up the same business as me. My vision is 100 times ahead of where I want to get to. What I'm doing now is not going to be what I'm going to be known for in five to 10 years time. There's a plan. There's a plan for everything. But this is just a phase in my life, which is about brand building. It's about helping as many people as I can, whilst obviously supporting myself at the same time, because I've got to survive and earn some money at the right point. But revenue comes from value as long as you have the right sales process in place. And then the supporting of those small businesses, making sure that you support yourself first. That's the biggest thing. There's a load of people that want to do good, but they can't because they're broke. So finding yeah. a way to actually create the sustainable business for themselves first and then delivering the value. That's a, a unique approach that I find. I think yeah. it's good to be selfish, to be able to then be selfless. That's how we've been able to build things. Yes, I have a sustainable company that generates very, very good returns every single month. I don't hide the fact. The evidence is on company's house. You can go and see everything. It's not, it's all public record. But like in terms of the way that you want to scale, in terms of the way that you want to grow, look after yourself first. And then as you look after yourself, be a practitioner and then demonstrate that out to the masses. That helps small business owners grow. I do it through my content. You guys will do it through a different way. Hmm. All comes down to unique individuality. That's all it is. It's so interesting when you say that point, Chris, because it's something that, again, me and Helen are like, yeah, totally agree. And we're not just patting each other on the back here, but it's this idea that people go into business because usually they do want to help. They want to solve a problem. They want to provide a service. But then they put themselves so far down that line of who to help that they're either broke, exhausted, completely emotionally spent, time, energy, relationships are blowing up all over the show because they're just connected to customers all the time. It's this idea that putting yourself into this equation, it's not selfish, it's absolutely vital. That's something that I've seen for many years working with entrepreneurs is, is I call it the martyr syndrome, mm -hmm. but I've got to work all the hours and I've got to take every call. And it's just like, sometimes you've just got to say no, sort that out on your own solve that problem for yourself because if I just go around putting out everybody else's fires my house is on fire and I'm out I'm out of water yeah that that's what I've learned from my own mistakes yeah. is that I thought by being a good person that would make me successful unfortunately being a good person on its own will not make you successful but you, you can be successful and still be a nice a nice fella exactly that <laughs> exactly that and again like business isn't about how much good you can do unfortunately Business is about building a system that works for you rather than you working for it. Yeah. So again, like being a day-to-day -day operator of a company, that's great. You take me away from it. Does my business still work? Yeah. It does. It does yeah. right now. Like now it yeah. does. Rewind 12 months ago, not a chance. Yeah. Yeah. If you remove Chris Taylor from the agency model, my team are that good. 
it will run without me. I'm just a strategist. That's all I do. I give my two cents. My customers know what they need to do. They have the training. They have the methodology to have to look at it and go, I know what I need to be talking about, Chris. I know myself. I know who I am. If they don't, they're not the right customer for me. They yeah. need to know who they are as people. They need to know who they are as business operators. All I help them do is build the business system, the marketing system, which enables them to get their brand out without it draining a thousand hours of their time every single week. That's it. Perfect. Chris, if you could go back three years or be even two and a half years, what would you say or would you change anything that you've learned along the way? What advice would you give to yourself again? Don't be so hard on yourself. So like I am a perfectionist. It is my best trait and my worst trait at the same time. And I've learned self-awareness along the time. I used to think it was 100% a good thing. However, the biggest thing as a business owner rather than a business operator to actually learn is how to let things go and how to manage and how to guide. So I'm really good at training people. Very, very good in terms of training all my students and that alike. Agency clients are great. Training staff, different skill altogether. A completely different skill. So that's something that I've had to learn very, very quickly over the past six months. Uh, but not being too hard on myself because I put myself under such huge amounts of pressure that, and I've got to really take back and say, I'm doing all right right now. Like I'm doing okay. I've got loads of stuff that I want to accomplish. But throughout the first two years of business, I used to punish myself when I didn't use, when I felt like I was being, like I hadn't put in that hundred hours that every entrepreneur is meant to put in. Like, and when I'm not working until midnight at night, when I'm not I've been neglecting my family that are downstairs and all that sort of thing, I used to put myself under intense pressure thinking that was what I needed to do. Like for me, if I could go back, I just tell myself to one, enjoy the process because you are good at what you do and you just need to relax a little bit, drop down a bit, stop being so intense. And then two is to make sure that if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. It's an opportunity yeah. to learn and make progress. Like if I could go back and say myself that from the beginning, I wouldn't have had the business issues that I did at the beginning. Like I screwed up my first two businesses. They're, they're the seven are operational now. They're startups, a few of them. But the other, the substantial companies have been built from mistakes, not putting myself under too much pressure. That's the biggest thing. People expect so much of themselves that they destroy themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I am one of those people that keep going and going and going until I collapse. And I'm really trying to retrain myself into that. Stopping drinking these bags. And like at the end of the day, I'm addicted to this stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm addicted to it. So I'll do everything that I can. But that's the stuff that I'm trying to train myself to just be a little bit, pull back a little bit. I go down after this and have a drink with my girlfriend who's been sitting there waiting all day for me. That's yeah. the sort of stuff. Sorry, I'm really Mrs. Trying. T. <laughs> yeah hey mrs t isn't waiting for you she's got her own shit going on we know we know she's, she's a good girl but you know chris it's it's funny right and this me and helen actually still think like we are in our mid-20s and then have to remember that we're a little bit further on on the calendar but it doesn't matter whether you're 26 36 or, or 66 i see it now my father's an entrepreneur and sometimes you know i see him there with his laptop open at 10 11 o'clock at night and it's like oh i didn't sleep very well and i'm like well no you're not gonna are you replying to clients at 11 p.m which is just but we just have this thing in us that's like how do you just keep that coolness and that calm and enjoy it yeah exactly and the thing is with it it's like again there's the other side of the argument with it again if that has to happen being okay with it if you're working towards something big there are going to have to be sacrifices again self-aware enough to realize that yeah but ultimately it's still looking after yourself because again you can probably tell by my voice my voice is starting to like starting to drain i've been talking all week and i've loved i love it this is my passion this is what i love to do i'm now starting to realize i probably need some water i've not drank for probably an hour and a half apart from stupid little energy drink yeah. um, and again it's, it's that sort of stuff that i'm now really starting to look into because to perform at a high level 
I've got to you look into that. High level. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Over to you, Miss Williams. Anything for final comments or thoughts? We could continue talking to you all day, Chris, because <laughs> there's, there's so much intriguing facets and, and little alleyways that we can go down talking about all the different concepts and, and similarities as well between you know, what we both do in our respective businesses, particularly around the perfection trap and when that comes to stopping people from posting anything online or being present online for fear of judgment and fear of not getting it right. I mean, just watch us. We don't always get it right. Even, <laughs> even, under, even under your watchful eye and your advice, we still don't get it right. <laughs> but it's a case of let's go forward. You learn from it and you grow from it. And I think that's important for everybody to take along those principles, wherever you are in any of your business and entrepreneurial journey. And if you're growing brand online, there's no such thing as perfect. But it is a case of learning and growing and, and continuing to, to learn and grow as well as you are as me and lauren are and as all of our clients are within your agency within our business as well that's the name of the game isn't it staying in there and uh, and keep keep leveling up at, at every which point so guys thank you all for watching on your respective platforms it's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us as always as chris has distinguished the importance of your feedback your comments your likes your shares your tags from any platform, from tag your friends, forward it on, absolutely everything that you can do to get this message across to anybody else that it can be of value from and wanting any more further information from either myself and Lauren on behalf of HEW and from Chris Taylor as well for his amazing expertise and profession on building businesses and brands online, then give him a follow, send your questions and comments and feedback over to him as well. And he will definitely get back to you. His door is never closed, trust us. But yeah, that's it from us. Just want to say thank you to Chris. It's been a pleasure having you with us on this Friday evening. I know you don't do this very often. And yeah. I think he was also scared that if he said no, we'd just keep asking. He's like, we'll just oh. do it. It's been amazing. See you soon. Take See care. You. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We hope that you enjoyed that and hope that you resonated a lot with those personal experiences there. If you have any questions about coaching and how you can benefit from engaging myself, Lauren, or anyone from the HEW team on a personal level or within your business integration, then do not hesitate to contact us via the website, which is www.helpingentrepreneurswin.org. Calm. Look forward to hearing from you. As always, if you've enjoyed this, please share it to any of your Instagram stories on social media, leave us a five-star review or come to us directly with any of your feedback, comments or queries. Have an amazing day and thank you for being our listeners.